Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Sandspants Radio, big, fat, old-fashioned incest wedding. Hey, so Gabe wrote a book, well, another book that sounds a little scamp. This one is the first in a series, and it's called Boone Shepherd. The story follows the titular Boone, a young journalist from Australia who travels around 1960s England chasing stories and solving mysteries. So, if this sounds like something you'd enjoy, you can pre-order it at bellfrogbooks.com slash booneshepherd. Links in the show notes, and if you're in Melbourne on Tuesday the 26th of April with nothing to do, come on down to Readings Bookstore on Ligon Street for the free book launch of Boone Shepherd. That's 309 Ligon Street in Carlton. The fun kicks off at 6.30, there'll be signing, speeches, I'll be there, so come on down and say hi, buy a book, and let the merriment continue. Now, on to the show. Welcome to a special 50th episode of Movie Maintenance, where some shows just need to be talked about again. Yeah. <laughs> Today we are revisiting Hannibal. Yay! Yay! So, look, I mean, I don't think we've kind of walked into this with much of a prescribed topic decision. We just really like talking about Hannibal. And we've done three specific episodes on it already. And it's probably come up in almost every episode we've done since. Thank you. So, is there like a counter where you can like count what do you mention more, Hannibal or Banshee? No, it's Hannibal or The Wire because I try to mention The Wire at least once in every However, the difference is we've also never done a specific movie maintenance episode on The Wire or Banshee. Yeah. In the case of Banshee, what do you fix? In the case of Hannibal, we're not really maintaining it. We're just like finding excuses to talk about it. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. And it's it's just... It's been a year? It's been... It has been... It hasn't actually quite been a year since it's been cancelled, but... but, It's still raw. We're coming up. We're coming up on about a year away and, you know, we've sort of... We've all kind of been grappling with our lives without Hannibal for a while now. And look, I, I won't lie, it's been a, it's been a tough slog. And um, I've had some dark moments. I've gotten real weird with it. I'm just it's... like re-watching all three seasons and then periodically, nightly reading Hannibal fan fiction. So I can oh, get wow. some new no, you've stories. Oh, further than me. Wow. And I'm like, yeah, good. Oh, you've also written your own fan fiction. Yeah. Um... Well, no, I did season four, which was pretty much fan fiction, which was me like, Hannibal and Will make love. It literally, literally opened with like a... Weird dream like Hannibal and Will having slow, passionate sex. My dreams. Yeah. <laughs> you know, is well, what it is. Well, they had, you know, weird kaleidoscopic Alana sex scenes in yeah. season three. I rewatched that episode the other day because I've um I've been rewatching all of Hannibal and I am halfway through season three. And yeah, that scene was very vaginal. <laughs> like just rewatching it, like Which is yeah, nice. it it was I'm surprised they got away with it on Free to wear NBC. <laughs> I'm mean, surprised they get away with a lot of what they got away with in Hannibal. But like, yeah, that scene in particular, very vaginal. <laughs> Those like legs and lips, and they're all merging. And yeah, that was. It's what? really symbolically metaphor. Oh. That the whole third season is like art house murder. In some areas, to its detriment. Correct. I think because Correct. look, that's one thing that struck me rewatching it. And I remember when season three started, I wasn't. I remember it starting and I've been waiting for it for so long and it wasn't quite as, I guess, to be completely honest, look, maybe this is like by merit of me being a little bit further away from Hannibal than I was in the previous episodes. Now it's been gone for a while. I've come back. I've revisited it. And look, season three isn't amazing. It's not amazing. It's season two is a masterpiece. Season two is the 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 best half of season three isn't amazing. The second half of season three is Season three has a lot of really good stuff in it. Like, don't get me wrong, it's got some of the best, like, I mean, I reckon season three has some of the greatest Hannibal moments there are. The finale is mm. Oh, mm. perfect. Mm. The mid-season, sort of mid-season finale with Mason Verger and, like, that's that's great. It's 
It's I, I love it, but it's so weird. It's so fucking weird. Like the pig but baby and all of that. Been so weird, but though. season three, I don't know. Season three was weird because it just kind of felt like it. They knew went they were to a whole bunch almost, of different so they just extremes. Went, Let's go mental. Yeah, but in some way, like okay, the problem is you know because uh, I went straight from season two to season three. And it's a gigantic shift yeah, because huge. season two is just like ratcheting up the tension episode by episode by episode by episode. And then, you know, you've got all the whole like children being framed thing. You've got all that amazing stuff with Mason and Margot in the second half. Oh. You've got Mason like taking Margot's uterus. You've got Mason cutting off his face. You've got the Hannibal mm. Jack fight. You've got all of that shit building up to that, you know, amazing finale. Yep. And then season three starts. And the first episode of season three, it's like, here's Hannibal and Bedelia in Europe. And I, I get it. I like it. I like the whole thing where Hannibal you know there's the guy who looks a bit like Will Graham who's really willing to be Hannibal's friend and Hannibal is kind of tempted to like include him but then can't because he's not Will and then uses that to fuck with Alana and use that to send a message to Will and I, I liked all of that I liked the idea of starting the season without showing where Will and the rest were and Brian Fuller said that he wanted to give a lot of time to showing where all the characters heads were at before getting into the plot the problem is that because they knew they were getting cancelled they were very open about the fact that they put two seasons in one yeah. by doing the Europe stuff and the Red Dragon stuff. And they also, they couldn't afford to do a whole season in Europe. That's fair enough. But it kind of feels like Fuller was so insistent on taking his time with showing where the characters were at. So in the first half, which is, you know, the seven episode uh, Europe Verger arc, yeah. we got four episodes of nothing happening. And then three episodes of everything happening. Yeah. So it's like, okay, so, you know, see episode one, it's Hannibal and Bedelia in Europe. Episode two, which is probably one of the worst episodes Hannibal has done. Episode two of, is awful. It's really bad. It was a slog to get through. It's, like it's. I, I, I'm ashamed but, to admit this. After episode two, I nearly didn't go back. Ooh. Traitor. I, nearly, I wasn't that far. I nearly no. went, oh no, they've, they've lost it. Whatever, what they've lost it. And I was like, no, just do one more. And thankfully by episode three, the thread star... Hannibal is at its best when Will, Jack and Hannibal are kind of yeah, circling absolutely, one Yeah, absolutely. The best things about season one and season two is that they're constantly... These forces are and pulling in different directions where Jack isn't sure that he can trust Will. Will doesn't know if he can trust Hannibal. And Hannibal is just playing everybody. But also doesn't know if he can trust Will yeah. and or Jack. So, so that's where the great, those great relationships are explored is that... They're the best three characters to have to force mm. together. As much as I like Bedelia, and she's interesting, she's interesting because of Hannibal. Putting her yeah. and Hannibal in Europe together without Will Graham or Jack is just boring. I, I, dis I disagree to all points because I think the Europe stuff with Hannibal and Bedelia I quite enjoy. I like the dinner party where Hannibal puts the ice pick in the guy's head and then Bedelia pulls the ice pick out and Hannibal's like, technically, you killed him. Oh. Or, you know, or that other yeah. bit where, um, you know, where... When he first puts the ice pick through his head and he's just kind of like, that may have been impulsive and sits down and just keeps eating. And the guy's like sitting there like spasming and saying all this weird stuff. And I enjoyed all of that. I enjoyed Hannibal and Bedelia's stuff. I enjoyed that interplay. It's the Will and Abigail stuff that I was like, ugh. And then the Inspector Patsy, and we've said in previous episodes, like Inspector Patsy in the books is one of the most interesting characters. Yeah. And in the show, he literally rocks up. He has that bit where he's like, I've got a nice wife and I want to buy her things. And then Hannibal kills him. And it's he's, just- He's so, he's, he's not- And he's, he's, it's actually a- I think the actor who plays him is really bad. Like, because you watch the movie Hannibal, yep, and Giancarlo, uh, G yep, Giancarlo um, Giannini. I, I, maybe yep. I'm thinking of someone else. I don't know. Anyway, Italian guy mm. is fantastic. Like, it's a really good performance. Yeah. And I mean, we've spoken about it before in other episodes, but just to reiterate, like in the book, the whole middle section of the novel Hannibal follows Patsy. Like yeah. Clarice goes away. Hannibal hasn't turned up in the novel until then. And then we just follow Inspector Patsy in Europe and we follow him basically looking to Hannibal, realizing it's Hannibal. In the back of his head, he has been, and he doesn't know, he's never met Hannibal before. The show changed that. But in the book, there's this whole extra element where Patsy was after this killer years ago and caught the wrong guy and Correct. was disgraced. And now he's trying to kind of regain his honor. Meanwhile, he's got this young, pretty wife who he just can't afford to look after the way he wants to look after. He's really insecure about it. And then meanwhile, he's got this kind of added disgrace where years and years ago, his family betrayed a pope. And he's kind of clinging to this fact because he's kind of convinced that everyone in Florence knows about it, is aware of it, and kind of is thinks, oh, this is just his family once again fucking up. And Hannibal plays on that, manipulates him through that by showing him the visuals of his ancestor 
hanging with his guts out, which is the same way Judas Iscariot died. And so there's this whole thing about, you know, the 30 piece of silver, you know, the betrayal for money, all of that, which all plays out with Patsy selling his soul to the devil, i.e. Mason Verger, to sell out Hannibal, as opposed to reclaiming his honor by catching Hannibal the right way. And it's really rich stuff. And if I was going to rework season three, I might keep the first episode of Hannibal and Medelia, but I reckon I would spend an episode just on Patsy. Yeah, or even open with Patsy looking into Hannibal and really investigate they, that. They need to because the show to wasted the him. They really needed to. And they they don't. had him. But I think if you go in like if you go in not knowing anything about that, like so I haven't read the books, and it didn't bug me as much as it's. But I, I think it's that's only because like I know. Yeah, where it you came from. you know that there's a really and I know rich what it's backstory. wasted. Yeah. Like not knowing the backstory that came in, I was like. There's a detective and it's fine, you know. Like yeah, it, it oh, wasn't, it enough. wasn't a bother, bothersome thing for someone who doesn't know the content as well as you do, Gabe. But I just think at the same time, like his role in it, and this is it. Like you know, it to me, what annoyed me is four episodes of nothing happening, mm. three episodes of stuff happening. Patsy just kind of felt like something else that was getting in the way of the plot actually. Yeah, yeah they, they, they shoved a lot in because exactly, he's just there and he's kind of annoying and the act doesn't play him that well. And he just like he turns up and he just kind of says things where he's like the moment where the connection is made is my keenest pleasure. And just like all these like lines that just don't quite work. And, you know, normally Hannibal was kind of really unnatural dialogue style works for me because it's it's all part of the heightened dialogue of the show. It's Brian Fuller. If you watch any other show by Brian Fuller, his characters talk in a really specific way that's really unnatural outside of the context of their show. Yeah. Ever watch Pushing Daisies? They talk absurdly. But that's the world of pushing daisies. Everyone talks and like that. Same as Hannibal. Like same everyone as Hannibal. talks that way. And that's fine. But I just kind of feel like in season three, all that really opaque dialogue just got pushed to the extreme as well. Yeah. Like at a certain point, it's just like, ah, oh, just just and it's by characters like like Chio or Patsy, who we don't care about. We have no investment in. Chio was a fucking disaster of a character. Like what like what? Like she just she turns up. She stayed there for ages. Her motivations make barely any sense. And she changes the motivations like that. Like that. that. Yeah. It's like you've spent years locked up here looking after this guy. This guy dies. You're like, oh, it's a bit of a shame. All right, I'm going to go to Florence. I'm going to protect Hannibal. And then then it's you want him humor. caged. But there was no anger to her. There was no anything to her. She just kind of turns up and is and like, why are we wasting time on these characters? Like there was potential there. But again, it's almost like the showrunner's... It's almost like Fuller chose to focus so much on the slow, introspective, dreamlike stuff at the expense of what could have been really interesting plot developments. Like, did we need four episodes to catch up with where everyone was? Did we? Like, no, we didn't. Did we need that Abigail? One one episode to catch up with everyone. If you're going to commit to Abigail, you need to commit to her for the whole season. Yeah. 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 you You need to. And do you know what I thought was really interesting? Was that they kind of? It you. I never bought like the whole twist was. Oh my god, she's actually dead, and Will's crazy. I knew she was dead from the start. It was correct. So they didn't. Yeah, they yeah. didn't. They didn't hide it enough. Yeah, it exactly. Was too and really also, on the nose moments, like the priest looking at her in the church and being like, "Oh, that's a bit ominous. Uh, she must be dead." Like, no, but I, I think know. you can't. You can't pull pull that trick out again with Abigail. Because she was dead in the second season and comes back. And then you can't do it again in the third season. It's just rehashing old plot devices. Yeah. So just leave it. Don't even have the Abigail thing. Just have Will, like, like mourning. If you're going to have someone following around, you yeah. don't go Abigail. You go, what's his name? You go a dad. You have a dad. Yeah. Follow Will to Gareth Jacob Hobbs. Yeah, yeah, Gareth Jacob Hobbs do it. Yeah. Because go- that's the person that kickstarted Will. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, okay. See, yeah, I don't know. It just... I mean, like, that, that, don't get me wrong, because, I mean, Hannibal is still my favourite show. And I don't know, because I, I do think it it pulled it together, because I think even though that mid-season sort of climax with the Verger estate and everything mm. was goofy as all fuck, it was Hannibal, like, it was, like, goofy Hannibal is also good Hannibal, and Hannibal's mm. always been a bit goofy. And, like, Brian Fuller's always been very self-aware about how absurd a lot of it is. And I like that because that was Hannibal, like, leaning into its absurdity at its mm. most insane. And it just worked because they embraced it. It was crazy. It was over the top. It pig was baby. The pig baby, yeah. but also, you know, he, uh, Mason Verger planned to cut off Will's face and eat Hannibal with Will's face. Yeah. Like, it just, it, it, I mean, it was insane. It was totally absurd. And it was great. And had that amazing scene, that breakup scene where Will's like, I don't want to think about you. I don't want to, I don't want you to take up any space in my thoughts. I don't want anything to do with you. I don't care where you go. That- I just broke my heart. What? It was great. 
It was, and then that amazing fucking twist of Hannibal gives himself up purely to say fuck you to Will. Like, purely to say, fuck you, Will, I want you to know exactly where I am, because sooner or later, you will need to come to me. Brilliant. Like, fucking genius. Yeah. I mean- And then literally, he does. He does. (laughs) Yeah. Because of course he does. Like, it's just- story. (laughs) It's, I don't know. See, that's that's what I love about Hannibal. So, I mean, season three, like I said, some of the best moments of the show- with some just absolute nadirs, like that fucking Abigail episode. I thought the first Chio episode, the Hannibal Estate, because for me, as like a long-time fan of the series, I'm, I'm sitting here thinking, how are they going to address Hannibal Rising? And there was a really interesting take where Hannibal Rising was a fiction that Hannibal, like the whole idea yeah. of what had happened to Misha and everything was this, or that this guy had killed Misha and eaten Misha was this fiction Hannibal came up with for his own amusement to see what would happen. Yeah. I liked that because it was sort of a veiled fuck you to Hannibal Rising that addressed it in a really mm. interesting way. But also as a long-term fan of the series, like, I think I just wanted more. Like, I wanted a bit more backstory. I wanted a bit more engagement with that material. And it just sort of felt like, oh, we're turning up. Here's Chio. And we mentioned Lady Murasaki, who's a really interesting character, but don't really do anything with it. And then there's all those scenes, those like fucking endless, dreary scenes of Will and Chio sitting on the train talking about snails. <laughs> just the snail travels for so long in the belly of the beast. This and this and this. And I don't know what the snails symbolize. Why were there so many snails in season three? Because I just don't know what they're the, meant but, to mean. But it was just the first half of season three that really dragged. Because the second half was just beautiful. Oh, the, way the red they, dragon yeah. stuff. Just. Mm. And unfortunately, you kind of had to, where they ended with season two, they couldn't just start season three with red dragon. No, no, of course not. So there needed to but be. I think they could have done more to make that first half yeah. as good as the second half. That's they filmed in Florence. It looked beautiful. Yeah, it was pretty. Yeah. It was beautiful to watch. Like I'm watching it on Blu-ray on a big TV. Shut up, Mwah. Gabe. I watched oh, it on my shitty laptop where so, the sound doesn't work yeah. properly. I'm like, that's great. Love it. Is it? Could you? Could you? So we're saying you can't start with red dragon because of the way they end season two. Could you? Just cold open, bang. Will's got a family. What? 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 I don't know what's going. on. Hang on, he was dying on the floor. Yeah. What? What's going on? Jack Crawford's like, we need your help. He's like, fuck you. You're like, hang on, what's going on? And you tell how they catch Hannibal in Fl- in Florence through a series of flashbacks. Or how Good. about this? Okay, oh, okay Gabe. Okay. Gabe's clearly idea. not thought about this one at all for the last year, crying softly in his pillow while he dreams of. Don't you mock me. Don't you mock me. Actually, no, I, I, this actually this idea isn't totally original. It just occurred to me because I on the blurb of the Hannibal Season 3 Blu-ray, you know sometimes you get a TV show or a movie on DVD and the blurb is clearly written by somebody who hasn't seen it. Yeah. The blurb is saying, oh, you know, Hannibal Season 3 catches up with these characters after shocking events of Season 2. Hannibal's on the run in Europe. The characters are looking to find him. Meanwhile, they have to track down and hunt down the red dragon, which forces them back to Hannibal. And I was like, that's not what happens. They do all the stuff in Europe. Then three years passes, then the red dragon. It's not a meanwhile thing. But what if it was? What if the season opens, like you said, cold open, Will's got a family. Bang. We start. Where the fuck is everyone? Three years has passed. Mm. Nobody's seen Hannibal in that time. The red dragon turns up and then Hannibal starts contacting Will. Much like in the novel Hannibal, where Clarice Starling is disgraced with uh, Imelda Drumgo, or whatever her name is, and Hannibal starts contacting her for help. So just to really turn red dragon on its head, instead of Will's going into prison to deal with Hannibal, Hannibal's contacting him from Florence, and then Will starts using the red dragon case to draw Hannibal back. And that's how they catch him. Yeah. Mm. Is that totally fucking mental or you, could we have some fun with that? With that I feel like with that, I love that storyline, but I, w- I would lose my two favorite episodes in the series if that was, because you would lose the mid-season finale. Yeah, yeah. It, like turning himself in, which was just like, just beautiful. Oh, look, we're just spitballing like fun ideas, but you're oh, right. Like you'd, it, it's no. a kill your darling situation because you'd lose some and great you lose, stuff. And you lose, you lose more Mason Verger. Yeah, although I don't know if Joe Anderson, I love Joe Anderson. but Michael he, Pitt was a better Mason. Oh, yeah. Michael Pitt was a much better Mason. Like oh, he's an angel. It just and also like I mean Mason cut off his own face and I know that they like restructured it to a degree but he went from looking like a guy who had cut off his own face to a guy who had pushed the bottom half of his face into some cake. Mm. Like really it it his facial disfigurement wasn't like was you look just, at Gary Oldman. His jaw. Yeah. yeah. Like his jaw was just like a bit looked a bit wrinkly. And you look at Gary Oldman in the in the movie 
that's disfigured. Yeah. And I know that Mason didn't cut off his whole face in this, but like, I don't know, it just kind of felt, you know, the bit at the start of that episode with Chilton, where him and Chilton are talking and yeah. you see how the bullet goes through Chilton's head, which is a great scene. Yeah. And then when Mason's like, you know, you show me yours and I'll show you mine. And then like takes off his face mask and oh. it's all like slow motion climactic. You're like, yeah, what the fuck does his face look like? And, oh, well, that was it. He needed to be missing basically from the nose to like the earlobes. Yeah. Just, just chunks of skin. But what like, you, you need like, to look like Harvey fucking Dent yeah. in yeah, but the what dark What does that face look like when it's... Okay, because, like, really, I mean, if his bones and stuff are exposed, they would have had to have done some reconstructive surgery. And I, he's got I the guess. money, too. He's got the money, yeah, too. Yeah, so well, it wouldn't have is... made sense if half his face was still missing. I just do think... It would have been visually cooler. Yeah, and it, it also, it's not like this world Chilton... is tethered to logic, either. Yeah. Like, it, you know, they can have a play with things. Um, And I do think, you know, I, I just... Again, I come back to the touchstone of... um. Gary Oldman in the movie, which obviously was where they got their influence from for how Mason looked. But I just do think they could have done some more with the disfigurement. He needed to look hideous. Yeah. He still looked good. He needed to look hideous to reflect that he is hideous. Yeah, yeah. he is. That's that's the whole point is that Hannibal makes him cut off the facade that he... Basically, Mason Verger is a monster dressed as a person. Yes, exactly. And Hannibal's like, I'm going to make you cut off your people suit. Yes. I'm really good at wearing my people suit. There's that, I there's earned that, my people's suit. There's that, there's that whole thing where, where Will actually talks about Hannibal wearing a human suit. Mm. Yeah. Like, that he wears a people suit because he's, he's not a human being. And if you unpick that, the, the fact that you've got Mason Verger, who is too far gone to even pretend to be a person, mm. has to cut off his face so he no longer like, looks like a person. He yeah. can have reconstructive surgery and just look like... No, he, he doesn't need to look human. He should. Yeah, look he human. can look totally disfigured. He it can should look totally just be. Monstrous. It should almost be like a burn victim yep. from the eyes down. No nose, no lips, just like two little holes, and then just a big hole for the mouth. And they've and just, tried to repair it. In yeah, the, and it's real patchy. Sewn together so he can barely like just. Yeah. Have you seen Kingdom of Heaven? Yeah. You know Edward Norton's leper face when they take off the mask. Yeah, yeah, which yeah. Which is yeah. horrific. That's something nice. like that. Yeah. yeah, where he's like doesn't have a nose, and it's just like a like literally it's just a hole in yeah. his face. Yeah. And something like that, like just make him really, really awful yeah. to look at. He should make Chilton vomit. Yeah, yeah, basically, because he just because Chilton looked creepier in that scene when he takes off the the scene that you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, he takes, he takes out out the, and his face just goes. Uh, yeah, it just, just collapses in down, on itself. He's got the one dead eye, and it's yeah. That it's, was real creepy because that that kind of approaches like the uncanny valley. Like it's just off being normal, so it's really yeah, uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. While um, Mason's a bit too far, he doesn't look human. He looks comical. It's it's not uncomfortable. But it should it should have been both. Like I think Mason shouldn't have looked grotesque, like you guys were saying. He should have just been a tiny bit off. Like everything should have just looked slightly yeah. wrong. Yeah, yeah. Not think, like they put it back well, together as best they could, and he does look like you could get away with not wearing the mask. But there's something about it that just makes you really uncomfortable. Just to, once again, be like, in the books, guy. Um, yeah, I'm Gabe, and I read the books. Anyway, um, in the books, he literally doesn't have a face. Yeah. Like, it's a skull. He's a skull. I mean, the, the book is a little bit silly at times. At times. Yes. At times. Um, but, yeah, he's, he's just a skull. <laughs> and, like, he's only got one eye and he's just a skull with, like, long hair and, like, there's some, like, muscles, like, on his face here and there. But, like, really, he has no face. But is there any way? Like, and they, they like, I think he wears, like, a protective thing on his, like, there's, yeah. like, protective glass around his, or mm. something. I don't quite remember, but they have to, like, moisturize his face constantly in his eye because he can't blink. I think he's got, like, a monocle over one eye that, like, sprays his eye with moisture because he just yeah. can't close his eye. It's, have you read it, Tom? I've read Red Dragon. It's the best book. I think I've read some of Hanel, but I never finished it. Yeah, okay. It's, people either love it or they hate it. I love it. I think it's Red, fucking Red, awesome. Red Dragon's amazing. Red Dragon's yeah. a masterpiece. Red Dragon is probably my all-time favorite book. Yeah. But, um, and like Silence is really good too, but I just kind of feel like I almost love certain things because of their shortcomings. And I love the book Hannibal. Like I really like Silence of Lambs and I really appreciate Silence of Lambs as just a perfect novel and a perfect film. I mean, it's one of my all-time favorite mm. films. The novel I wouldn't put up there. I'm not passionate about the novel. I look at Silence as a novel. I'm like, I can't fault it. It's a perfect novel. But- Red Dragon and Hannibal, the books, are just slightly messier, slightly rougher, slightly more raw, and they fuck up in, like, particularly Hannibal, the book, has some certain moments where it's just, like, completely over the top, but other moments where it just achieves this, like, level of operatic beauty that silence never comes near, and I just sort of think something about that, I almost love it because of its failings, because mm. it was reaching for something a little bit more epic and a little bit more spectacular 
and a little bit more poetic than Silence of the Lambs was, which is more of a straightforward thriller. Watching you talk about Hannibal, it's so beautiful. <laughs> yeah. oh, stop you it, just dude. get it shows that underneath there is maybe a heart and well, it beats. You know what occurs? <laughs> there, and there, there really is for Hannibal because you know what occurred to me the other day. Here's a really really interesting argument I'm going to throw at you, and I think the reason the TV show works so well is because the TV show understands that the heart of Thomas Harris's work, romance, was always more important than horror. Mm. The Hannibal books always have this – Hannibal and Clarice Starling was always a love story from day one. Hannibal and Will Graham in the novels is not. They fucking hate each other. Well, there is I like no, that they changed no, it. That they, that they merged Will and Clarice for the TV show. Correct. Like, and they did, and it works. It works yeah. really well. But um, Hannibal and Will Real Graham, hit. there is no love for them. They, they've met like once mm. before Hannibal guts him, and Hannibal, Will is terrified of him and has no affection for him at all. Like, Will would rather he's dead. That would have been and a really boring TV show, though. Of course it would. Uh, no, I agree completely. I think yeah. the TV show made a great... And, and for the, no, they, for they the novel, it works. Yeah. To Jack Crawford. Yes, yeah. absolutely. And But then, you know, like, the thing is, when you read the novels... All of them, including Hannibal Rising even, every one of those novels is underpinned in romance. Mm. Red Dragon, why does Red Dragon work? Reba and Francis. Yep. Reba and Francis mm-hmm. is the heart of that book. Mm-hmm. That's what. That's one of the things. Look, the Hannibal novels do a lot of special things that take them above and beyond basic horror. But where Red Dragon goes from being you know, a straightforward crime thriller is A, in the characterization of Will Graham as a cop who is... Like, he literally murders Freddie Lowndes. Mm. He literally makes Freddie Lowndes bait for the Red Dragon as revenge for Freddie Lowndes taking photos of him in the hospital. Like, Will Graham is fucked up. Yeah, and yeah. the book ends with him being fucked up. You talk about, like, Mason cutting off his own face. Yeah. Will gets, like, several knives through his face at the end of the book. And it ends with, like, his wife leaving him and everything. He's alone in hospital being like, everything is fucked. And Hannibal wins and destroys him. And the next time they mention, they say he's a disfigured drunk in a bar. And that's the last you hear of him. But, like... At the heart of that book, what makes that book so special is Francis and Reba because it takes this horrible monster who murders whole families and fucks the mother's corpses and it... He falls in love. He falls in yeah. love and he wants to stop because of it and it is a beautiful relationship it's, because he's so convinced that he's disfigured. He's so convinced that he's a monster and he falls in love with a woman who can't see it even though he's not disfigured yeah. and a woman who just loves him for what she sees. It's beautiful. Silence of the Lambs, Hannibal and Clarice. Their relationship is amazing. It's amazing because he is the one person who doesn't manipulate her, doesn't look down at her, who respects her, who helps her, and who starts out as just interested and amused by her and comes to a point of legitimately respecting her and caring about her. And that relationship underpins the novel Hannibal as well. That that whole thing in Silence of the Lambs is that Hannibal only decides... He, initially, it's that interest amusement. Oh, look at this. You're going to come and try to. No. Yeah, good. This yeah, is, yeah. This, this is going to be fun. But then it's that, that moment where he realizes that I actually kind of respect you for, who you for what you do. There's an attraction here. I'm going to help you because I like you. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm going to help you because I like you. And I'm going what's... to look out for you. At no point, I, I feel that if the difference with sort of Will and Hannibal, if Will and Hannibal met, you're kind of worried that Hannibal could kill Will in a weird kind of way. I don't yeah. think he'd ever kill Clarice. Is this like TV show Will? I'm going TV show Will. Yeah, cool, cool. Also, I'm film Will. I don't think, <laughs> yeah, I don't think. Um, I, I, yeah, I don't think TV Hannibal would kill Will. He there, tries always... to midway through season three. He saws his head open. Yeah, yep. but it's like this this weird undertone where like I don't think. It's out of love. No, but I think it's... I'm going like, <laughs> to kill you with okay, my let's, love. Let's unpack for a second here this whole. We'll come back to this romance thread in a moment because I do think there's more to be discussed here, but. I never quite understood that whole thing in the third season where Hannibal says the only way I will forgive Will is by eating him. I never got that. But when he talks about how his sister influenced him to betray himself, that to me means Hannibal, who he is, is a monster and a killer who doesn't form connections. And Will Graham, like his sister before him, influenced Hannibal to make a connection. And Hannibal felt betrayed by that and then betrayed him. So that's when he says the only way I'll forgive Will because he influenced me to betray myself is to kill him in the end. Yeah. And because, yeah, originally I would have said what you said. I was like, I don't think Hannibal would kill Will and Hannibal saws his head open and tries to eat his brains. Mm. But I don't know. I think one of the good things about Hannibal in the show is that he is indecisive and he does change his mind. Like he puts Will behind bars and then two episodes later is like, oh, I should probably set him out. Yeah. Like think, just because he's he just, bored. I think he has, he has such a strong connection with Will. And I think that's, it's one of the things that happens when you fall in love. You kind of, Oh God! Here's are we getting lame? Let's when, get let's get let's let's get lame. Let's delve into that heart. Yeah. <laughs> no, but it's like it's like that thing. Like when when you meet someone and you're like, this is the one. Like I fucking love them. It's because like they 
you always like that they see you for you and that's it. Like, and they don't mind yeah. the flaws and they don't mind that you're a bit gross and, and they kind of like let you do that. Like me and my boyfriend are gross together, if that yeah. makes sense. You know, like we can just sit there and just watch movies and eat food off our chests and do all the stuff that I would do alone, but with another person, you know? Mm. And I think that's the cool that's thing. That's it. It's that sentence right there. Yeah. Do all the stuff I would do alone, but with, but another, with another person. person. Yeah, that sums up Hannibal murders yeah. people, which is something he does by himself, but he lets Will join Yeah, him. exactly. And, and that's, that's where he says that's at the end of season two, how... I let you know me, I let you yeah. see me, I gave you a rare gift and you didn't want it. Yeah, it's true love. Like Hannibal really loves Will. Yeah, Really, absolutely. really, really loves Will. And I think the fact that Will doesn't quite respond to that because I think Will has some really complex feelings for Hannibal. I wouldn't say Will loves Hannibal. Will's got a really strong kind of infatuation with Hannibal and he can't quite let him go. But I'm not sure if Will's in love with Hannibal. Will could be in my dream season four. But Will- <laughs> I, I, I think it's Will's whole thing with his... So the difference between Hannibal and Will is Hannibal's aware that he's this apathetic psychopath mm. but who has finds this weird bond. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com With this man who the reason that he's kind of all messed up with his complicated relationship with Will Graham is because Will Graham can become can think like Hannibal. Mm. And he goes, oh, my God, here is a man who understands me body, mind, and soul, like yeah. completely gets it. But the problem with Will is because he's able to do that, he struggles to make connections with yeah. anybody. Yeah. Like he actually can't love Pete. Like he, the yeah. reason he doesn't love Hannibal is not because he doesn't necessarily agree with him, but because he can't really do relationships at all. Mm. Look at all of his relationships in the TV show. Even his relationship with Hannibal is weirdly imperfect because of his brain. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's that it's that I if 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 Will wasn't if Will didn't have the thing that he has that allows him to get inside the mind of killers, he probably would love Hannibal, but then Hannibal wouldn't love Will because Will couldn't think like Hannibal. <sighs> We've got this we oh it's so rich. Yeah. But again, this is what this is it. It's the heart of the show. Is romance, yeah, and love and heart at its core. It's not just. I think it's the pe- thing that keeps the show going, though, because I think Hannibal, to begin with, that like to watch the show in the beginning, it's the the love of the macabre is why you watch Hannibal, yeah, yeah, and that's how you start, and you're like, this is gross, and I love it, and then you start watching season one, and then get to season two, and you that's when the heart kicks in, when you're kind of like this. Although season one has much. heart with Jack and his wife, it does. Early on. It does. Like, there's. I'm not saying there's not heart, but and, I would and say Will's relationship with Abigail. Mm. Yeah, more as it goes on. Yeah, not so much at the start, but I think when I watched season one, it was there was a bit at the end of the first episode where Hannibal was like there in the hospital holding Abigail's hand, and Will comes and joins him. And you're like, hang on, this this. There's more to these people. But I think the first time I was like, oh, man, was when Jack finds out his wife has cancer. Yeah, that was... And, like, because Lawrence Fishburne Lawrence... is so good in that Where show. Where was his any award for that series? Yeah. Where was any of their any awards for that series? How was that show so snubbed? It's because like, it wasn't, I don't know, any... I think, the, I think I think the problem was it fell as Mad Men was ending and Mad Men was always going to win awards mm-hmm. for it. Yeah, of course. And as Breaking Bad was ending. And they liked to well, give awards to shows as they end. Apparently, the reason it wasn't nominated for any Emmys last year 
at least one reason, is the fact that it wasn't eligible because of the time frame it fell into. So was it eligible? So it will be eligible for Emmys this year. Won't get any, though. Probably won't. It's too far. If it had gone another season, maybe, yeah. but it's, too, it's but that people have I think they've put forward like, it. oh, yeah, maybe, maybe not. I don't know. I think getting some Emmys might be the heat it needs to yeah, kickstart another season. That's the dream. But I mean, look, I think like Richard Armitage will definitely get like a nomination for best guest, guest actor. Yeah, he's um, actually fantastic. He's I, very good. I would, I would take him a hundred times over Ray Fiennes in the other. In the film. I like Ray Fiennes in that film, but I, I, that's I, what I'm saying. I yeah. really like, but yeah, Ray but Fiennes. Richard Armitage had a lot more time to delve into him. True. Mm. Um, but I mean, yeah, I think he is the best Francis Dollarhide. Like, see, because so Ray Fiennes, you don't necessarily feel, you feel sorry for him occasionally, but overall, you don't really care about him. Richard Armitage, you're like. Ah, why are you doing this, man? Yeah. Because you got more screen time with him and Reva. That's why. Because you you got to see him as a human who just wants to be loved, which is, you know, the whole plot of all of Hannibal. Like None of them. The book Red Dragon has this great... Love, love. That's yeah. It is well. It is. It's a love and it's, story. Hannibal. A love it underpins story. all the books. It underpins all the film. Well, not the, that. That's where the the Hannibal films that fall down are the ones that don't get the love story. Look at look at the weaker Hannibal films. So Silence of the Lambs is like peak. Yes, and that's because it's the story of Clarice and Hannibal. Mm. Hannibal the film completely compromises the story of Clarice and Hannibal. Yeah. and I still like that film. I think it has some amazing moments and like one of the most like overpowering atmospheres I've ever felt in a movie. But it doesn't quite get that. Red Dragon, I think the Francis Reaver stuff in Manhunter is a lot better than in Red Dragon. Yeah. And Red Dragon gives more time to it. Um, but And Hannibal Rising just... Ugh. But even no. Hannibal Rising, the novel, <laughs> Hannibal and Murasaki, underpinned by, by romance. Yeah. Even that novel, like, which is a so, shit fight. So if we're going to just talk about, you know, this guy's a cannibal. He eats. He literally eats and swallows people whole. Uh, Will literally goes inside people's brains and takes over who they are by thinking about them and becomes totally engulfed in them. Are we saying that the whole message of Hannibal is that love consumes us all? Aww. Quite, that's quite beautiful. Thank Aww. you. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I I don't know because there's just always like that. That's why I think I love the whole series, books, movies, TV show, all of it so much because there's just so much to sink your teeth into and so much to unpack. And I don't know, like the TV series, it's funny because you watch Hannibal the TV series and, you know, there's there's kind of this weird mini trend happening at the moment of old horror properties being revived as TV shows. Mm-hmm. Yep. You see it in Bates Motel. Yep. You see it in Damien, the Omen show that's just started. You see it in, but apparently see, there's an Exorcist show coming out. Ash vs. Evil Dead is another example. Bates Motel and Damien are awful. I wouldn't go as far as awful for Bates Motel. I didn't like it. But all. it's... How I much couldn't get seen? past the first episode. I watched it's, about half of season one. Look, Bates Motel, I would have said that. But the thing is, like, Bates Motel sustains me because I'm a big fan of... Oh, sorry, I sus- Sustains my viewing because I'm a big fan of Psycho. Yeah. But the thing is, Bates Motel, I sit there and I watch Bates Motel and I think- The Vince Vaughn Psycho, obviously. Oh, yeah. Well, the, yeah, the uh, best the one. Masterpiece of our times. But like, <laughs> I, I don't know, man. Like, I watch Bates Motel and I kind of just think, if this wasn't related to Psycho- See, okay. Bates Motel, I recommend to people as long as they're a fan of Psycho. Yeah. And look, I'm a fan of the Psycho franchise in a big way. Like, I've read all the books, seen all the movies multiple times. I love that all first film. All the movies. I've only seen the Vince Vaughn movie once, funnily enough. Um, I've even watched the fucking appalling Psycho 3 at least five times. Like, Do you I remember, hate yourself? Oh, I just love Psycho. I remember like- Do you know what's amazing though is that like people would, would think of Psycho when you say, you know, I really love Psycho. They think you just mean the Hitchcock film, but you're fully immersed in yeah. Psycho as a franchise, which Psycho is the most two, bizarre. Psycho 2, man. Psycho 2. It's a, Psycho 2 Psycho is an 2, Norman's film. back. Psycho 2 is a fucking amazing film and no, nobody believes me. No, yes, it is. Have you seen it? Yeah. When was the last time you saw it? When I was a teenager. Yeah, no, you're a fuckwit. Psycho 2 <laughs> is... No, because it's, it's, it's... I'm sorry, but it gets so derided. And, and Zamet thought we couldn't get gay angry. Yeah, oh. no, yeah, we are. No, because it's so unfair. Like, it's such a good premise. <laughs> Stop and think about what Psycho 2 is about. Norman Bates gets released from the asylum. He is fine. He is sane. And the irony of that film is that Norman Bates is okay, but the rest of the world cannot accept that and they literally drive him back to insanity. If Psycho 2 wasn't followed by more sequels that fucking flogged that dead horse, the point of absolute fuck wittery, Psycho 2 is a fantastic sequel and a fantastic deconstruction of the first one. It's great. It's just, it's awesome. I, just, I really I, like G.I. Joe 2. So that's a good sequel. Would the, would the Psycho franchise be better if we put Dwayne the Rock Johnson in them? Yeah. <laughs> he is franchise Viagra. Maybe, maybe. Look. That anyway. was can I, that was that was 
Wow. I'm sorry, man. You got so like, passionate just I now. I really like Psycho 2. I don't think I've seen you this passionate about Hannibal. Like, you're more passionate about Psycho 2 than you are about Hannibal right now. Look, by and large, I'm more passionate about Hannibal. It's just like Psycho 2 getting insulted. I just I just don't think it's fair. I think maybe you should rewatch it because it's <laughs> quite right, good. Yeah, I will. I'm going to have to go back and rewatch it as well. All right. right Total movie night. Let's watch Psycho 2. Right, let me be there for it. <laughs> no, nah, um, Gabe's not invited. Just oh, Zoe okay. Handsome Tom they've, they've released um, They have released the whole Psycho set on Blu-ray though, so I need to pick that up because – anyway – Basically, I am passionate about the Psycho franchise. And Bates Motel, I recommend to people, I say, if you're a fan of the Psycho franchise, you will probably like this show. If you're not a fan of the Psycho franchise, nah, it's shit. It's Mm. like, it's it's totally all over the place. Like, Vera Farmiga, I know a lot of people like her performance. but I hate everybody in that show. uh, Freddie Highmore has his moments. I don't want anyone to live. (laughs) <laughs> Bates Motel does some really okay. I what, really couldn't get past. Look, the first I mean, episode. you guys aren't going to keep watching. And I don't recommend you keep watching it. Like, it does some really interesting things in season two. Where I think in season two and three, it kind of in season two particularly, it actually figures out what show it wants to be. And they yeah. said the idea of it isn't that because in season one, I was watching it thinking, okay, my understanding from the films was that the idea is that Norman's mother bullied and you know made was like him into pushed him yeah. like he was so downtrodden that he became her. But in the show, the idea is that kind of the pitch they have is that it's about a mother who loves her son a lot, who is just this flawed, damaged woman who loves her son a lot. And because there is something wrong with him that she can't help, the tragedy of the show is that her coddling and her love for her son and her protectiveness of her son is toxic, is what pushes him, even though she's doing nothing wrong. And that kind of makes a tragedy. And I don't mind that as a pitch. The problem is that over they coming to fourth, fourth season, they yeah. don't pull it off. Season two had moments. Season three, by the start of season three, Norman Bates is dressing as his mum and killing people. You're Hang like, on. he is Norman Bates. There's no more tension here. He just. There's more than two seasons. Season four has just started. <laughs> okay. It's, how come How come the Bates Motel gets a fourth season and Hannibal Because fucking Bates Motel doesn't. is on cable. Bates, yeah. Motel, Bates Motel doesn't rely on advertisers. Hannibal relied on advertisers. The ratings were too low. Advertisers bailed. And cable, it doesn't matter. You get 3 million views on cable. That's great. Why didn't anyone else pick it up, Gabe? It doesn't make any sense. It just... It, is it Hannibal a conspiracy? Is, it must be. It's Thomas Harris doing something. Thomas Harris, you're doing things that... You're trying to stop Hannibal? But stop yeah, like, I, like, I think... Matt yeah. Mickelson, what are you doing, man? Are you trying to stop Hannibal? I just he's realized he's really excited about being Doctor Strange. I'll come and fight you. We completely just fucked over the whole... The whole um, sorry, I remember this massive psycho tangent. But I think the whole thing is, like, Hannibal took its source material and did something new with it yeah. while amazingly paying homage to what came before. Mm. That's one of, one of my favourite things about it, when you adapt something. Is One of the most infuriating things is when someone's complaining about... An adaption of a book, for example, and goes, oh, it's not like that in the book. It's like, well, yeah, fuck you. That's a book. This is a TV show. Exactly. Exactly. It has to be different. It has to be different. Why do you think the best Harry Potter films are the third and the fourth? Because they are the ones that do the most original stuff with the source material. They take the source material and they do their own thing. But why do you think Watchmen, the film, is such a turgid, boring mess? Because it is so shot for shot the same as the comic. It's boring. I just read this as a comic. The reason The like, Dark Knight works so well is because it's not actually telling you a Batman story you're familiar with. Exactly. It takes its... I like to watch me. The, the, yeah, all right. All right. Look, whatever. That's all right, cool. Psycho 2. <laughs> <laughs> that is it. That is, anytime, anytime you have any complaints about anything no ever. Yeah. Psycho right, 2. Psycho 2. Mm. Mm. Yeah, oh, that's fine. I'm, I'm okay with it. I embrace it. Um, But, yeah, I don't know, man. Like, I just kind of feel like it's got to be a both an understanding and a love and a passion for the source material has to underpin it, but a willingness to do new things with it. And that's even though Hannibal, most of the plot points in Hannibal were in some skewed way, something that came from the books, they mix it up and they mix it around. So you have Will Graham interacting with Mason Verger and you have all these characters Mm. who never met or had anything to do with each (coughs) other. I think they they really, they change the characters and they give the characters more depth. Because I was rewatching Silence of the Lambs earlier this week. Um, which I actually haven't watched since I was a teenager, and I was like, I should rewatch that. I rewatched it the other night. It's an amazing film. Well, maybe we're watching it at the same time. Who knows? Maybe. Maybe that's what's going on. Don't we, did you watch Silence of the Lambs? I didn't. Oh, well, odd man I, out. I binge watched the shit out of some Daredevil instead. Yeah, good. <laughs> I'm still so far behind. No, but rewatching Silence, where the fuck was I going with that point? Changing the characters. No, changing, changing the characters, yeah. yeah. And then seeing Chilton. In Silence of the Lambs, right, compared and then to Chilton in the TV show, and I'm, I'm like, I love Raul Esparada. I think he's so fucking good. Yeah. He's in Law and Order as for you, and just an angel in that. 
And seeing him as Chilton, I was like, man, I feel for TV Chilton so much more than I you, feel for... TV Jack Crawford. Mm. Right? Actual Although character. Scott Glenn is very good in Science of Lambs. But he's, he's good, but he's a dick. Mm. Yeah, but he's kind of a dick in the show too. Like, yeah, but he's a, he's a dick who, who who feels bad about being a dick. Mm. Jack I don't Crawford know, in the show, sort of, he's a dick, but he's like, you know what? I would use someone as bait if it really I had to. Because like, you know. he's for the greater good. Jack Crawford in the TV show but is about the greater Jack good. Jack Crawford is always for the greater good. And like even in the film, like you can see at the end, like when they go into the wrong house and he realizes that Clarice has found Buffalo Bill and he's like, Clarice, and he's like, he's he's so terrified for her. Like it's I mean, I reckon almost all of the Hannibal Books movies show, it's always at its core. And this is this is actually my theory about why Hannibal Rising falls so flat yep. and why Hannibal the film was had so many shortcomings, is that Red Dragon, Silence of the Lambs, and Hannibal the novels. And the film and the TV series. and the TV series are all about Hannibal and Jack Crawford and somebody in the middle as a go-between. Mm. That and that's what I'm saying. That yeah, the exactly, reason the start exactly. of season three doesn't work is that Hannibal and Jack Crawford aren't aren't and facing no off cat and mousey. There's no cat and mouse stuff yeah. until later. Instead, you get a poorly acted. And see, Patsy. that's when we talk about <laughs> and a poorly yeah. acted Patsy. Whoa! Hey. See what I did there? Wordplay, bitches. Beautiful. Yeah. Thanks. Um, <laughs> There's actually, like, it's funny because, like, in the book Red Dragon, it's like, and the movies too, Jack Crawford doesn't so much manipulate, like, he openly manipulates Will by, like, showing a picture of the family and everything. Mm. But Will doesn't have much love for Jack. Like, in the movies and books, Jack's just his former employer. And there's not really much care there in the same way there is between Clarice and Jack, whereas in Clarice and Jack's, like, a father figure thing. Um, And I think that's another element where they've merged Will and Clarice a bit is by Will really caring for Jack and the two of them actually having a lot of love and care for each other that just isn't there in the book. Yeah. Because you've got to remember that Jack's whole relationship with Will is really ex- – basically yeah. the great thing about the show is that all of Will's relationships <laughs> are manipulative. Yeah. All of them. His relationship with Hannibal is manipulative. What Hannibal's about manipulating. Except for Alana and it, it doesn't kind of go anywhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. true. He doesn't they, – they can't – she goes, I just can't, Will, sorry. And he goes, yeah, you're right. Because I, I need to be manipulated. <laughs> his relationship <laughs> with Jack actually, is yeah. all about being manipulated. Yeah, His true. relationship with children is about being manipulated or manipulating children. Mm. His relationship with the Verges is manipulation again. Yeah. Even by Margot, who he kind of starts to have this nice blossoming friendship, whatever you want to call it, goes dark. Yeah. Because she's just kind of, uh, he wants a sperm farm. Uh, so, you That's, know. I think that was one of the moments where I realised... I mean, I, I knew I loved this. I think the moment where I realized it was my favorite show was the ending of season one where Will goes behind bars. The second moment, no, that was the moment I realized this is amazing. Yep. And the moment I realized, holy shit, like it was like, and I hadn't even really thought about the Hannibal books and how much I loved them for a few years. You between- busy watching Psycho 2 on repeat. I was busy watching Psycho 2 on repeat. Mm-hmm. And um, I came into- the novelization of the film. <laughs> <laughs> there is- Thinking about Vince Vaughn, why did he win Oscar for this? There was a Psycho 2 novel that came out the same year as the film written by the original author and it's completely different and it's just an appalling, appalling book. And Norman I don't Bates care. like breaks out and rapes a nurse and it's just I just don't care. Well, okay. Fine. <laughs> I just I just I was just I don't know, anyway, whatever. I won't talk about Psycho 2 the book then. You can do um, that in your psycho episode. Yeah, well. Uh yeah, no, no, that was like the end of season one was like a moment where I kind of just it just like really Hit home. hit home how much this show was like catering to my inner Thomas Harris fan. Then I think it was like episode like after Beverly Katz died, I was like, oh, this is mm. that really for me good. Was the point where I realized that this was a show that so sometimes you're watching a show and you're like, so I, I was talking once to you about Banshee and why I like Banshee. Yeah, and the difference between Banshee and Justified. So if you watch Justified, at no point Tim- Timothy Oliphant gets into some. Bad situations, but at no point do I not think he's going to get out of those situations. Yeah. It's the same with Batman. I mm. never not, I never don't think that Batman's going to survive. In Banshee, even though I know there's three seasons of it, halfway through season one, I'm like, this guy's going to die. <laughs> yeah. Hannibal yeah. works in a way mm. that once you get to the Beverly Cats episode, and even earlier on than that, is that you kind of realize that they could kill Will Graham. They could kill Alana. They the- could kill- People could actually get killed here, and it- that's where the finale of season two works because even though the only character who dies is one who we thought was dead for all the episodes before that, like it still kind of walks out and like, you still kind of get the end of it and you sort of think, 
any Jack, three of those could, any three of them yeah. could be dead. Yeah, like Jack Crawford might be like a major character in the books going forward, and they haven't even reached Red Dragon yet. But I honestly thought until Jack Crawford walked in in episode three, even though I'd seen trailers with him in it, I was like anything could happen in this show. Yeah. He could be a hallucination, he could be anything. Until he walked in and sat down in the church, spoke to Patsy, and had the scar on his neck, I was like, is Jack dead? I honestly don't mm. know. And it was, and it was the, and the moment that kicked that off for me was the death of Beverly Katz yeah. because it was yeah. so because sh- she was she was the only person. I thought if they're going to kill off one of the one of the CSI guys, they were going to kill off one of the two dudes. Yeah, because she yeah. was she was because it is it's one of the two dudes. It's we know Beverly. Yeah, and it's like or one of the guys. Yeah, you know because they is, Beverly, as good Beverly's as they the are, one who's got the relationship with Will. Beverly's yeah. the one who all Beverly's the one that we know the name of. As yeah. you said, and I'm like they're going to kill off one of those two guys. And I've never watched an episode of TV ever, and this is huge ever, where I have been more afraid for a fictional character than that moment where she's standing and you see Hannibal oh, appear in the doorway yeah. and the lights go off. It's amazing. It's so good. Then you get credits and you're just like... With a gunshot first through the floor. Yeah. It's like, oh my God. This then, is... Yeah, it's... I think it was that in the episode after, but... Oh yeah, it's just... It's moments like that. Like season two was just a fucking masterpiece. And the way that Hannibal like framed Chilton, the moment where you see the flashback of Chilton talking to Miriam Lass... And or you think it's Hannibal, and then like the images come together, and it's Chilton, and you realise that Hannibal's been brainwashing her. It just—I mean—that moment was another one of being like, "Fuck!" Where you're like, "There's no way this is going to work," because she's going to see Chilton and go, "That's not the guy." Yeah, and then and then nah, she shoots him, and nah, you go, "Accounted for it." Wow. But I think the moment where I realised just how intricate and brilliant the writing was—that whole bit towards the end of the season where Will, no, sorry, Hannibal puts the idea in Margot's head to get pregnant, so that she will have sex with Will by even like scheduling their appointments right next to each other so they'll meet, so that she'll sleep with Will. Then he tells Mason about it, so that Mason will take the child, so that Will will get angry, so that Will will try to kill Mason, so that Will will become a killer. It's so just, him and Hannibal can run off together. It's just like, oh, it's so good. It just, And I mean, yeah, that's like another, that's that, like moments like that is what I think what I was lacking for so much of season three. And that's why I think the moment of, Hannibal will like breaks up with Hannibal, so Hannibal comes back and puts himself in prison just as a huge fuck you. Mm. Like it's just it's stuff like that where it's like, oh man, it's just so well Can, thought out. It's it's one of those shows where it's the greatness of season one, season two, and the latter half of season three totally make up for the absolute shit show that is the first like three or oh, four episodes of season yeah. three. And also, like, a lot of the procedural stuff in season one. Really I like, like that. I, I like the case but case of the yeah. week stuff. I didn't, because I was like, I case it. of the week to me, it's like, we have to, like, put the plot on ice, or we can only advance it incrementally so that we can deal with the case of the week. Look, there were some really cool murders and some really cool visuals and everything. But generally speaking, like, that's why I don't watch procedural TV generally, because I just can't invest in, like, a... That's why I think the Red Dragon thing was so good, because it gave us eight episodes, or six episodes, or whatever it was, to really, really get into why he was doing it, how they were trying to catch him, all of that. Whereas the Case of the Week stuff, you just don't have time. And well, I, I think they, they they found a nice balance, though, because it was the Case of the Week and then it was all about the Ripper mm. yeah. and Eddie Izzard. Yes. And then it kind of went back to Case of the Week and then all of a sudden it was about, holy shit, Hannibal again. Yeah. And then it became, the last couple of episodes were Hannibal framing Will for the murder of Abigail. Yeah. By the time you get to season two, yeah, you've got Case of the Week again, but then again, but it, it builds to yeah. more like... One case every two weeks. Correct. Or- so, so they, they basically, over the course of the, 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 the series, they start off with maybe the first four or five episodes of season one, a pure case of the week, until you hit Eddie Izzard. Yeah. Then you get a story that goes over a couple of episodes. Yeah, And yeah. then you get another couple of cases of the weeks, and then it's about Will being the, the, the suspect for yeah. like several episodes until the end when he goes to gets arrested. And you get the same thing again where it's case of the week for the start, but then it's two or three episodes, and then all of a sudden it's just the verges... And it just builds. And one thing season two did a lot better was that the case of the weeks tended to have a lot more to do with what was going on. Like, you know, Randall Tear, the wolf headed Mm. guy, and like that the repercussions of that carried through. That was a he was great as a as a villain of the week. Yeah. That was absolutely terrifying. That, That episode was amazing. Yeah. Again, it just so this is this weird I'm just gonna go on a bit of a fuller Do it tangent. All of well, the three shows of Brian Fuller's that I've watched are all about death, right? So, Dead Like Me, Pushing Daisies, Hannibal. Mm. Yeah, all uh, death is at their heart. Often, death and love. <laughs> yep, good. Um, but 
the, the Brian Fuller experience. The Brian Fuller experience, death and life. Yeah. But as you sort of, the, the more comparisons are like that you pull are probably closer between Pushing Daisies and, and Hannibal in that all of them involve highly stylized victims that just happen to exist in different worlds with two main characters who, A, are completely alienated and struggle to show affection and communicate and touch and love people. Mm. Mm. Literally, in the case of Pushing Daisies, he can't touch and love people and he's very distant and the only person that he does love he can't touch who, for one way or another, can basically get into the mind of a murder victim or a murderer mm. and think like them in order to solve the case. So in Pushing Daisies, you have Lee Pace's character who literally touches dead people, brings them back to life, asks them how they died, puts them back to death again. Yeah. And by doing that, he becomes exposed to this kind of really dark world, but it's overshadowed by the fact that Pushing Daisies is like a sugar hit. Like, it's just so bright and yeah. happy. Yeah, so yeah. So if and it wasn't Pice. bright and happy, it would be really dark. It would be a really dark show. Hannibal is basically Brian Fuller doing Pushing Daisies in a darker version yeah. of that world. Yeah. In a Hannibal universe. I just think that's an interesting, a nice little, you know, let's chant Brian Fuller as a creative guy and he's sort of writing, directing. And it also um, kind of, I guess, shows well. how much he brings his own authorship. Is that, is that a word? Yeah, that's, that, that's the word Even I was looking for. Thank you. Thank like, you. That's by someone else. Like he still manages to find a way to take material that is not only spiritually faithful to the source material, that not only is made up of plot events from books that in some cases are 30 years old, yep. he still manages to bring his own concerns, his own themes and make it feel entirely his own. And he's such a humble guy. Like in interviews, he says, oh, you know, he goes, it's fan fiction. He goes, it's Thomas Harris fan fiction. But it still obviously feels like feels of a piece with the rest of his body of work and feels like something very much invented by one very clear creative voice. And I think, I think that's, that's, its, that's its strength. And, and also the other great, you know, you could say it's an auteur thing is that unfortunately for people who love Brian Fuller, all of his shows get cancelled. Yeah, well. Two or three seasons in, they disappear. Them's the rules. You know, Pushing Daisies got screwed over by the writer's strike. Hannibal got screwed over by NBC, Dead Like Me. Didn't just- he leave Dead Like Me after a couple of episodes anyway? Yep, yep. Yeah. You know, so each, each show that he kind of is... Done. Let's hope that doesn't happen for American Gods. Yeah, but let's kind of hope it does so we can go back to Hannibal. Like, like <laughs> I really like American Gods, don't get me wrong, but it's like, okay, I'm looking at Brian Fuller's slate and I'm like, okay, not only is he doing American Gods, not only is he signed up for amazing stories, not only is he signed up to showrun the new Star Trek series. That's like, going to be amazing. Where are you going to fit another Hannibal in there? Where, where, like, you nah, know, come Brian back to a movie or something. Star Trek could. Um, he got his start in Star Trek. Um, Correct. Yeah. I, I just think this might be controversial for you. <sighs> Psycho if, 2 is not a good movie. <laughs> that's not controversial. That's a fact. <laughs> Sorry, dead horse. If, dead horse. If there was never another Hannibal series. You'd be Brian, happy? If Brian Fuller never continued it, I would be okay. You know what? I would be more okay with the fact that there's not another Pushing Daisies season because they obviously there's so many loose ends left over by Pushing Daisies that they just didn't get to tie up, whereas Hannibal- It wrapped up a lot. Yeah. They, they, they ended it. I think it's see. This you could is, go on. You could look at all yeah. these other stories. You could do Silence of the Lambs, but it works as it a works look, where, it, where it finishes. The worst thing about it is that, like, I finished, and I actually think they might have shot themselves in the foot a bit with this because when I finished season three, I walked out and I was like, "Look, as somebody who's been a fan of this for a very long time, ten years at that point, um, since I was thirteen when I read the books, like I'm sitting there and I'm thinking." I hate it, but like if this was the definitive end of Hannibal Lecter, like if this was the ending of the Hannibal Lecter story, if I never consumed another Hannibal Lecter related thing in my life, I could probably be happy with this. I could probably accept this as an ending. And I'm annoyed because I know that Fuller wanted to do more. I know that there were more seasons planned. I know that like season four wouldn't have even gotten into Silence of the Lambs, according to what he said. So I'm amazed to see what that would have been. But the fact is, like, I'm I'm happy with that as an ending as an ending. And I wonder if that has actually ruined the chances for season four because I feel like a lot of people got to the end like feeling as watch coming in that final episode feeling outraged and ready to fight for another season then getting there and being like I don't know if there could be a better ending than that like what what Hannibal and Will ride off in the distance on their horses as murder husbands I would be very satisfied with that I don't know um it's what I'm saying like I don't think you know what Brian go to American Gods Go do Star Trek. You've you've done. You've given us something beautiful. Don't go back because sometimes when you go back, true, you fuck it up. Mm-hmm. Indiana Jones four. Well, there's a fifth one coming right. out. So Indiana Jones five. <laughs> but yeah, look, I don't know. Um, nah, season four of Hannibal with Dwayne the Rock Johnson. He's franchise Viagra. <laughs> you can't fuck up with that. He plays Mason Verger, who's been completely reconstructed and brought back to life. Oh, I love it. Post eel. 
Now he plays um, Buffalo Bill. Dwayne The Rock Johnson playing Buffalo Bill. Lee, he wanted Lee Pace for Buffalo Bill. Lee Pace would have been amazing yeah. for Buffalo Bill. Yeah, we're pretty good. He's too busy doing Pult and Catch Fire at the moment, though, which is so good. Yeah, but he would have been really good Buffalo Bill because he's mm. tall and has a strange voice. Well, look, I mean, Fuller said that, like, the idea is at the moment they're looking for funding for a film. Yeah. But he said it would be at least two years before anything happens. Mm. Yeah. So, I mean, look, we'll see. But he, he was saying that, like, he's kind of – I guess this is just him thinking out loud, but he was saying that um, – Because they if- can't do Clarice, can they? Because – yeah, but he was saying that might be different under a different studio. He said, for example, if they went with stars who are doing American Gods, he's like, yeah. if American Gods does well and stars, because stars tend to give their writers a lot of freedom. Yeah. And he's like, and hey, if stars like, you know, want me to do something else, then, you know, maybe they'll revive us for an eight episode Science of the Lambs miniseries <laughs> using Mads Mikkelsen as Hannibal Lecter. You know, that's an idea. So that's something that's something he mentioned as well. He said he'd like to I do miss like a Mads film so much. Do you know what? Do you know what I love? If you've seen photos, like stories about Mads Mikkelsen going to like events and things, and of course in the show he's always beautifully dressed, mm. and Will's like dressed in flannels and jeans, and just looks like he's crawled out of a pit. <laughs> and in, and in, apparently in real life, Hugh Dancy is dapper as fuck. Yeah, and right. Mads Mikkelsen would rock up to like shoots, like so Hugh Dancy would be all like would turn up in a suit or maybe like a you know some chinos and a shirt, and Mads would rock up in tracksuit pants mm. and singlets. Fucking awesome. <laughs> It's fucking awesome. Or like, I love, I've read that interview where he just says he just like loves Adidas tracksuits. Like that's he just yeah. lives in Adidas tracksuits. And I'm like, that is so sexy for some reason. Like gross and sexy. Hannibal walking around in a tracksuit. <laughs> just a matching gang tracksuit. And on that beautiful visual, I've been Gabe. I've been Tom. And I've been Zoe. And if you have any other, well, not even ideas. We didn't really discuss ideas. But if you have any like... You know, just want to talk about how much. If you want to Hannibal. talk about Hannibal, yeah. if you just want to express, if someone how can sad explain to me how Chilton is still alive, I would really appreciate. Well, that. apparently, the idea for him and sees if they did Science of Lambs is that he'd have all these skin grafts and just like look really off and have like a you know slightly askew wig and he'd be hitting on Clarice Starling, awesome. looking like that, doing his whole Baltimore can be quite a fun town if you know where to go, <laughs> like with this like fucked up face. <laughs> it's fucking awesome. But yeah, anyway, if you have any ideas or any emotions you want to express, because God knows we'll have a lot of them about Hannibal, um, email us at sanspantsradio at gmail.com or find us on Twitter at sanspantsradio or I'm at gobergmoser. I'm uh, at Zoe Sanspants. I'm at Awkward Treed. That's an amazing Twitter name. If you think this show is worth at least a dollar, why not donate to our Patreon account? Follow the links on our website, sanspantsradio.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.